Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we're health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week we're asking, is the government right not to ban smacking? As ever, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a suggestion or a question for us, tweet us at MedMinefield. So this is a subject I was quite surprised that we disagreed so much on. You mm. spent the last two days looking at me like I've lost my marbles, basically. Or, I, just I thinking mean, I'm glad that you're not my parent. <laughs> <laughs> because we've been talking about smacking. And when this came up at the end of last week, uh, you mentioned a report. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, what did the report say? It was a campaign, a charity campaign from the NSPCC and Barnardos calling for the government to follow suit of Scotland um, and Wales and ban smacking, make it illegal. See, I thought it already was, but it's not. No. So it's it's a sort of a detail in the law. There is a legal defence if you are found to be hitting a child. You can claim that it was reasonable punishment which essentially means that smacking children is is legal because there's no way you could ever be taken to court for it. I mean, I've seen this debated over decades and uh, it always causes huge Mm. uh, emotional responses in people. Uh, And I I guess this is why I'd assumed that that it had been banned because people really don't smack children anymore. However, Mm. I said to you, I didn't see what the big issue was. I was smacked as a child. I'm not talking about violence. Mm. Sorry, mum, if you're listening. I was smacked, and I've actually talked about this with my mum because it it came up about a decade ago, and there was a suggestion from some psychologists, I think, that you were supposed to apologise to your grown-up children for having smacked them. Mm. And my mum brought this up when me and my brother and she were were having dinner one evening, and almost jokingly, and I I started laughing, saying, I don't think you smacked me enough. I was such a dreadful... I was a dreadful teenager. And we were chuckling away and, and looked round. My brother was absolutely not smiling at all and and you know he felt that it was a terrible thing to have been smacked and that he felt that it was you know had had scarred him for life in some way gosh doesn't it prove that just Sorry, because bro. you share the same <laughs> genetics two people can take experiences very well, differently yeah and and obviously it, you know both me and my mum was were slightly taken aback by it and it, it did give us pause for thought and it was always mum who ended up having mm. to do these things because you know the dads are never around as much when children are sticking their fingers in plug sockets mm. and being hysterical and and not listening to any other kinds of reasons mm. and we're talking about you know a smack around the back of the legs or a smack on the bum mm. my personal memory of this I, I don't remember ever being hit as such or I don't remember any pain or anything like that but I do remember knowing that if I pushed things too far mm. if I became way out of line mm. that we would get this occasional additional bit of discipline mm. and it was like a, a an end of story mm. and that's when those kinds of things did happen mm. and I don't remember any pain you know obviously it's a shock it's yeah. a shock yeah you remember the shock and you remember don't mess around mm. with when mum gets that cross, she's serious and that's the end of it. I mean, obviously that explains all of my psychological problems. Well, obviously I can't relate at all because I was a perfect child and therefore never needed any discipline. 
But is that is that right? So, you, but you and this is the thing that that when I've told you these stories, you you've yep. been looking at me with Wallace and Gromit eyes because you can't believe that someone so close to you in age. No, I, only, I can't, only a decade I can apart. Believe it because I do have friends my age who who were smacked quite frequently. But you children. were never. My mum used to pick up objects very quickly and then put them back down again in the same position. What as if she was going to throw them at <laughs> yeah. you? Really? And then very carefully just put them back down again. <laughs> what were you doing, Eve? I was just being a lovely, charming child. No, I could be difficult. I think my brother was probably more difficult than I was. Sorry, Sam. Did Did he get a smack? No, he didn't get a smack. I think there was, I can remember maybe one occasion where my dad really lost his temper out of sort of frustration and exasperation and, and maybe sort of shoved slightly or... Mm. Shaken? No. But they're saying as well, you know, that they go further in, in what they're saying, the NSPCC, that they say they stipulate all kinds of physical discipline. So it's not just smacking, it's also shaking. And what, what else is it? Shaking, hitting, pushing. It's, it's anything physical, basically. The argument is it is illegal to physically discipline. discipline an adult. And so therefore, why should it be legal to do the same to a child? Okay, so my instant answer to that is because you can't reason with a child who's lost all sense of reason and gone hysterical mm -hmm. or is, is misbehaving beyond the point of rationality or is trying to run across the road incessantly or all those other kind of annoying things that children try and do to themselves. Yes, I, I think what's difficult is as somebody who doesn't have children, it's easy to say you shouldn't ever do that. But when you do have a child who's I don't know sticking their head in the microwave and you're trying to paint your nails mm. then what mm. else are you supposed to do I'd preface this as well by saying not only do I not have children but also I am have zero expertise in child developmental psychology and we'll hear from people that do later on but I instantly started to think about another story that that we're hearing more and more from parents mm. in that they are struggling to control their children. That, that naughty behaviour, that, that difficult and very, very naughty behaviour in children is increasingly a problem mm. and one that is being labelled with a diagnosis in, in young children, increasing numbers of young children, of ADHD. So larger and larger numbers of children are being given these diagnoses of kind of confrontational type disorders, the behavioural type disorders. And... Okay, so th this might be a huge generalisation. I might be drawing a parallel where one doesn't exist, but it is quite taboo to do these days. I mean, the thing is, I would... You wouldn't smack a child these <laughs> I days, say, really. It's... I wouldn't say that my parents were at all soft. In fact, I'd say my mum specifically was was quite was fairly strict actually I mean she wasn't she was working all the time so she wasn't around that much but when she was it was always that mum was the one who would lay down the law and not let us get, mm. get away with things um, same, same. and that was all you know that that wasn't any anything physical it was all just the from the way she communicated and from the boundaries that she set and from just what we knew to be acceptable and not acceptable but I having spoken to experts I understand that you know, me and my brother, while we may have been had our moments, we were brought up by very educated middle class parents who had resources and whatever else and, and a family network and time to dedicate to us. And we, we felt, you know, we were very lucky in that way. And I do think that there is a problem with children who have behavioural difficulties, perhaps because of the environment that they're born into or whatever other reason. 
And so I appreciate that it may have been easier to parent myself and my brother than other children. I think that there's lots of different ways to discipline and doing it physically is just one of them. And yes, it's one of them. And and I, I do think that we're talking about a different situation than, than you know, adults completely losing it mm. and striking children, mm. which is a different situation. It, the, the adults need discipline, I think, in that, in that situation. Well, yeah. And I guess you could end up in a vicious cycle of children who've been, you know, essentially in these semi-abusive type situations, then repeating that pattern with their own children. My concern is that you never know what the natural disposition of the child is and a threat of physical harm, physical punishment for some children may be positive and you know, have no effect whatsoever apart from setting those boundaries. And for other children, it could implement this sense of fear mm. or anxiety that something really, really not very nice is could be the on the end of a certain spectrum of behaviour. And they develop a, a kind of a fear of their parent or a fear of difficult, combative situations with other people in relationships. Well, before we go any further, last week, Dr. Eddie Cannon asked readers of the Mail on Sunday what they thought about this whole issue. And we received an absolute torrent of responses, including the following guest, who is a parent who admits that she did smack her children and doesn't regret it. On the line now, we have Christine. Christine, you wrote into the Mail on Sunday to tell Dr Ellie Cannon that you disagreed with her stance on smacking and that you have no regrets about the fact that you smacked your children. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? What what kind of physical discipline would you use and in what way, in what circumstance? Well, I would never use sort of like a belt or anything like that because I do agree that would be brutal. I'd just smack their bottom or their legs, never around the head because obviously, again, that can that can cause damage. I wouldn't do that. Basically, if they were doing something, uh, whether they were doing something wrong or maybe creating a massive fuss, they would be told, stop it, don't do that again, or you'll get a smack. Quite often, I would give them more than one chance. And if they carried on, they would get the smack. And I'd say, I told you what would happen. Why do you make me do that? It was never, it would never leave a mark. It would, you know, not, they wouldn't bruise or be irreparably damaged in any way. But obviously no child likes their parent being angry with them. So they might cry. And then I'd always make sure they got a big cuddle, told them how much I love them. But please, you know, I'm only looking out for their best interest. Do what mummy says. Would it work? Would they stop doing the bad behaviour? Yes, they would do. I believe I said in my email to Dr Ellie, I didn't really didn't have to smack them much. Once they know that that is going to happen, I would just have to say, come on, guys, let's not go down that route, let's behave, and they'd be all right. I mean, I remember being at one of my daughter's assemblies years ago. I was on the other side of the hall, and she was getting a little bit over-enthusiastic, and I knew the teachers who wanted to be quiet, and I just caught her eye and slowly shook my head twice, and that was enough. Uh, and another mum said, wow, that's impressive. But that was purely because, in my opinion, I had disciplined them when they were younger and they respected me and would do what they were told. And I'm not saying they were perfect, but I had so many compliments when I took my children out, how well behaved they were. And I never, ever was embarrassed by them. Christine, can I ask, how old are your kids now? They're all in their 20s. And have you ever talked to them about this issue? 
Yeah, I mean, they did. They did say that they could. They they referred to my devil eyes. I have quite dark eyes, and when I get <laughs> angry, they often deepen a bit. I think, and they did say they they could be quite scared. And I said, well, I don't think a little bit of fear is a bad thing because I think fear and respect are very closely linked. If they have no fear of what might happen to them, I don't think they're afraid of me per se, but just maybe a little bit but I said without a little bit of fear there can't be respect and then once the respect's there you can operate on a different level you know you don't have to get physical you know if they're old enough I said right if you do that you're not having sweets this weekend or this isn't happening when they were old enough to understand the concept of that and time passing and the punishment then being imposed I would do it Young children, in my humble opinion, do not understand the concept of time. So they could do something wrong. You say, right, you're not going to your friend's party next week. They behave really well from then on. Next week comes and they say, oh, I'm going to the party, mummy. No, you're not, because she did this last week. They just don't get it. And I personally think that is really crazy. The smack is instant. It's swift. It's in the moment. They know what it's for. Over and done with. Move on. That's the way I feel about it. And when you were little, do you remember how you were disciplined? Yeah, we were smacked, although my older brother and sister say that I got away with murder being the youngest. <laughs> I don't get on with my mother. She wasn't a very fair person, and I, I would never have done this to my children. Again, I think what you do psychologically, but the whole sticks and stones thing is totally reversed, in my opinion. You mend after being hit by a stick or a stone, but the psychological damage can linger forever. I mean, she wasn't brutal, don't get me wrong, but she was very irrational at times. And so uh, she trained the dog to bite us if she oh messed around with us. You, you get an idea of what she's yeah. like, yeah. Like, it wasn't meant to be like ripping your skin or anything, but I don't think she realised what she'd done at the time. Anyway, I said, Mum, I'll come downstairs, but please put the dog in the kitchen because he'll bite me. And I must have asked her half a dozen times. In the end, she just got impatient, reached out, grabbed me by my ponytail, dragged me down the stairs, and I got bitten and I got smacked. Oh, goodness. So that, I agree, is totally out of order, totally brutal. So I think having had, not trying to make out my whole childhood is like that, but I would never, ever treat my children like that because that is just totally unfair. And so were you conscious of that when you were bringing up your kids? Did you feel like you wanted to do things differently? Yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people listen to this and say, well, you smack them, it's totally wrong. But I truly believe that all people, adults as well, need rules, they need discipline, they need to understand the consequences of things. As I said, once you build up respect, they will do what you ask. So, yeah, I was conscious of my whole upbringing. I suppose it was deep-seated in me that I wanted to be more level-headed and not impose any psychological trauma on my children. Christine, do you think you would have been able to discipline your children in the same way without smacking? Do you think there's other tools you could have been using? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I've, I've watched various things on this. I watched that nanny, Joe Frost, uh, and how she uses the naughty step. Oh, yeah, super, super nanny. Yeah, super nanny. And uh, it does seem to work in the end, but with all due respect, how many, I had three children, four and a half and under, so that they were quite close in age. But when you spend six hours constantly putting your child back on the naughty step, the other two, who knows what they're getting up to, 
I think it also teaches the child that, well, they don't have to do what you say straight away. They can just keep running around, ignore mummy. It, it's, a, it's a waiting game. They, they might eventually get fed up with it, but they might not. If somebody could prove to me that you could do that in a couple of hours and never have to smack them, I'd willingly go along with it. But I am convinced I can walk into a room and look at the children and tell you which ones have parents who believe in smacking and which don't. Because the ones whose parents don't believe in smacking are normally horrendous. <laughs> I mean, we all have different ways of doing things, and I might not agree with the way some people do things and ditto them with me. I used to say to my kids, I'm not your friend, I'm your mum. My job is to make sure that you're safe and secure and that you grow up to be healthy and decent. And now that they are older, we are friends, I think, because there is that respect there. They know how much I love them. And it's just, it's worked out all right. Well, look, Christine, thank you so much for being so honest and open with us. That's okay. It's a pleasure. I thought that was a very interesting line that she left us with, that she wasn't trying to be her child's friend. She was being their mum. And I do think that that is something that I see people doing they want to be their kids best friend Mm. I used to always find it slightly disturbing when we had quite a big group of family friends and some of the family friends sort of treated the children like adults and would have the children in with the adults and talk to them as if they were you know have intelligent conversations with them which sometimes fine I I think that we would we were treated like adults as well and you know I mean it was very trendy when I was Mm. a, a kid so I'm 43 so in the 80s there was definitely a trend. My cousins who lived down the road from us when we were growing up, they called their parents by their first names. Yeah, my cu- my cousins. And yeah, so that was sort of the, the trend, wasn't yeah. it, for always seeing your parents as adults, as equals, or, you know, be, I don't know what it was. But we copied our cousins and did that to my parents. My, my brother still calls my mum and dad by their, their first, first names. names. Oh, yes, because really? I think it was as a teenager or in my just before I was a teenager, I decided that no one else I knew did that and it was a bit weird and I, I, I've always called them mum and dad. But I think there is there are some parents who lack the boundaries mm. of a parent-child relationship and if you treat a child as I, if they're your friend yeah but as also, if they're your friend yeah as a friend or wanting to be liked by your kids mm. so never never saying no to them or, or trying to trying to make the world revolve around them yes and I think it's an incredibly well-meaning thing to do mm. because people tend to parent in a way that they want to improve on on what happened to them often mm. you know so perhaps they feel like that that didn't happen enough to them also, I'll tell you another little story. Okay. I do think that there are funny things that, that can stay with you. I've, I've told you about my weird obsession with McDonald's, haven't I? Yes. So just for anyone who doesn't remember, because I do like telling this story, but it's I was banned from McDonald's. One of the things that my parents disciplined us in was not ever eating junk food. And so to this day, I am obsessed by junk food by eating McDonald's, by eating sweets, and anything that I perceived as not allowed Mm. as a child and I still now get a thrill from being able to just go and buy sweets myself or buy a huge bag of crisps or buy because we never had them in the house or it was very limited it was very monitored and limited and we were all told to just have an apple it's really interesting because for me I have the kind of opposite thing not with junk food but things that were sort of drilled into me as a child like you shouldn't eat while you're sitting on the sofa but But you won't eat on the sofa I won't eat on the sofa well when I'm at my mum's, I won't eat on the sofa. 
and also I do sort of worry when I'm on my own about eating on the sofa. I, well, I, what do you think will happen? I don't know. I don't know. Because you drop food on the sofa. I'll that's drop food why. on the sofa and it will be dirty. And, yeah. then it, and having just bought a sofa, my first ever sofa, there is no eating what? that will First ever sofa? What else were you thought? I've always just had an inherited sofa. Oh. like friends giving me one. I've... I thought you meant you just... No, no. I mean, obviously I didn't <laughs> sit on the floor. No, but I've, it's the first time I've ever bought a sofa. Mm. Yeah. And there is, ain't no eating ever going to go on at that sofa now that I've shelled out I've, for And it. no sitting, probably. It's so expensive. Yeah. Sofa. Yeah, they're so expensive. Anyway, we anyway, digress. So I never, do, so yeah, so so I am too scared to do things rather than rejoicing in the fact that I'm now an adult and can do whatever I like. Interesting. So it can go either way. Mm, depends on your personality, I guess. Well, let's talk to someone now who has some scientific insight into what we've been talking about. Joining us now is Professor Robert Lazalier, who is a researcher in human development and family science at the Oklahoma State University in the US. Professor Lazalier, you've written quite a lot about your belief that, in fact, smacking can have benefits and isn't necessarily harmful. Can you tell us a little bit about why you feel that way? I've been doing research on this for over 40 years, and I've been looking for what alternatives we should recommend to parents use instead of spanking. In the 60s and 70s, 80s, psychologists actually trained parents to use smacking two swats to the rear end to enforce timeout in referred children that were defiant and oppositional. And that's no longer used because it's fallen out of favor. But a Harvard study several years ago showed that treatments for helping parents deal with defiant children are half as effective now without that backup than back when smacking was the major way to enforce cooperation with a timeout on a naughty chair, et cetera. So if it's used that way, if it's used to back up maladism tactics, then that way of using smacking is effective for the most oppositional defiant young children. And the research on this is based on two to six-year-old children. A lot of people now say you should never smack children, that it sets a terrible example, that it's aggression towards children, that it's inexcusable, and that you shouldn't do it. So you disagree with that? This kind of thinking is well-intentioned. We don't want children to experience any more pain than they have to. So that's why I've been spending 40 years to try to find alternatives to recommend to parents that will work as effectively or more effectively than smacking. Of course, if children are cooperative and easily managed, then, of course, they don't need smacking or any negative disciplinary consequences. It's just the children that sometimes need an effective backup, so they'll cooperate with the milder discipline tactic we prefer, so they'll listen to the verbal resolution. So when it's used that way, then the research shows it's more effective than other alternatives, except for one alternative has been found to be as effective for enforcing cooperation on a timeout chair in those young children. So you say there is one other very effective way? Yeah, that's a one-minute isolation in a small room designed explicitly for this purpose. It's a four-foot by five-foot empty room in a clinic that did this study with a half-height door so the parent can check on them. So in that case, if they don't sit on the timeout chair the required couple of minutes, then they are escorted to this safe small isolation room for one minute, and then they're asked to cooperate with the timeout chair again. So that brief room isolation was the only thing that's been shown to be as effective as the old traditional smack backup for timeout. In this study, what kind of behaviour 
warranted being locked in the naughty room? Not cooperating with the timeouts here. Describe what kind of state were the kids in? Were they hysterical crying, doing the dying fly, spinning around on the floor? You know, I mean, was it real stuff of nightmares? Well, I wasn't theirs, but these were referred for being oppositional and defiant. The research was done on two to six-year-old children. So not following instructions, basically. Yeah, so they're... But, but, I mean, you know, we've all seen the the Super Nanny episodes of the way that these kids can behave, and and we're not talking about a bit of naughtiness or a tantrum. I mean, we're talking about quite monstrous, Mm -hmm. terrifying behaviour. So is that the kinds of behaviour you're talking about in oppositional and defiant disorder-type children? Well, that might be an extreme example, but this approach uh, called behavioural parent training that's shown to be the most effective way to help parents manage these kind of children. It teaches them, first of all, of course, to praise them for appropriate behavior. I have an enjoyable time playing with them. But then they're trained to be consistent in using timeout for noncompliance if they don't cooperate with something. So in the clinic, they practice this, and they're given five minutes to cooperate with the instruction to practice. Then they're escorted to the timeout chair and asked to stay there for, say, three minutes. Now. They can throw all kind of temper tantrums as long as they stay in the timeout chair and aren't harming themselves, then that's just ignored. But if they get off the timeout chair, that's when they need a backup or an enforcement so that these defiant children learn they need to cooperate with the timeout chair. So that's a key to the success of this approach that's been replicated more than any other in the best way to treat these kinds of problems of being oppositional defiant in young children. And so are you saying that the timeout room, that approach is, is a more complicated or less easy to replicate method than the, the smacking, the short, sharp shock? No, it's shown to be just as effective, and that was in three randomized studies. But one of the gurus of this kind of approach called me in the 90s and said that she was getting flack because she was still using the smack backup for timeout. And I told her, well, this study shows that uh, you can use this brief isolation and it's just as effective. You know what she said? She said, my working class families that bring their children to me, they don't have a safe room like the one in this clinic that the study was done in. So she wasn't, didn't think that it would generalize to the typical home situation. So you can just put a child in a bedroom or in a, you know, in a toilet or something? Yeah. So that's what people do. They do that kind of thing and, and that. And if that works for a child, that's great. Now, the original study showed that, on average, that worked as well as the traditional spank backup. But for some children, the room isolation worked better. For other children, the smack backup worked better. I guess also, if you have a child that's breaking things and running around, you may not necessarily want to shut them in a room on their own with possessions that, that could right. be at risk of, of harm. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. Whereas if you're dealing with... A, a, parent who's already been abusive, then I, I think smack back up is contraindicated. And then they should rely on something like the brief room isolation or another alternative like privilege removal to back up the timeout, even though that's never been shown. That's never been studied as a backup, I guess, though that's an alternative that is also used by some of these behavioral parent trainers. Because because abusive behaviour in parents is, is, is a different mechanism, isn't it? It's not about discipline necessarily. Because, I mean, people equate smacking with child abuse. Well, I think the people that are supporting smacking bans are concerned that uh, it is true, I think, that some discipline episodes 
can escalate to the point of child abuse, and, and I agree with them that, that we want to minimize that possibility. So it's important that for the most difficult episodes that parents have some kind of discipline tools that can be effective so they don't get more and more frustrated until they erupt either verbally or physically against the child. What would you say to some who may say that using physical force in order to discipline a child teaches them the wrong message that you can resolve difficult situations by using violence or aggression? Well, again, it depends on how it's used. Parents doing it in an unpredictable way rather than a consistent way, then that's going to be a bad example that can lead to that kind of problem. But this kind of backup smacking that's shown to be more effective than other alternatives, the model the parent is setting is, I want to resolve differences with you verbally as possible. I want to understand why you're doing what you're doing, and I want you to learn not just to behave the way I want you to, but to have the right reason for that behavior. So that kind of thing isn't going to model the kind of aggression that's a problem when some children grow up. Well, Professor Lazalea, thank you so much for finding the time to talk to us. It's been fascinating. Well, thank you very much. Well, Eve, I told you I was right. In the 60s, (laughs) they did a study. But, I mean, isn't that interesting? There has been subsequent research, though, that hasn't shown smacking in such a... There is good evidence that shows that people who are smacked more frequently are more likely to go on to develop problems with aggression, which I guess isn't surprising. My initial reaction when I was reading these studies was to think, well, of course, you know, the children who are badly behaved with to begin with and may be more likely to need a smack, as judged by their parents, are obviously going to grow up to be more difficult adults. But actually, a lot of these studies control for a whole host of factors. So there, it's re- it is really good research that shows that there is that direct link. I wonder why this is such a controversial issue. I mean, I've seen huge Barneys on TV when it's brought up. Um, Anything to do with the potential harm to children always causes an absolute riot. It's like the whole breastfeeding debate. Yeah. And I suppose on the flip side of that, some parents feel that their parenting is being questioned or mm. being judged negatively. And that, that that enrages people too. Well, my mum always says that I don't have any respect for her. So maybe it's because she never smacked. Have you ever wanted to hit me, Eve? No, of course not. You really? No, because, because I, we have such a harmonious relationship. Violence. <laughs> I just I, I can't I can't imagine hitting another person. No, me, me neither. It would just be so transgressive. I, I mean, also, I'm so terrified whenever I'm around my niece. I'm terrified of even sort of touching her to move her out the way of someone oh. or to pick her up that I'm going to strain something or, I, oh, God, I, it's terrible pressure. What a tinderbox it is, parenting, eh? I don't intend to do it. Yeah, thank God we're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Too complicated. I will just stick to reading studies about it. <laughs> You can read Eve's report in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and all the latest health news, which you can consume in newspaper format on mailplus.co.uk or on the Mail app. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.